We uh, started a new series last week called Winning Where It Matters. Winning Where It Matters. Every single person in here is making decisions on a daily basis that's connected to your perspective, to your values, to what you want to do, who you want to serve, um, so on and so forth. Every single person inside of here, you're making decisions to accomplish something on a daily basis. Now, here's the deal. As I said last week, the whole purpose, week number one, was to blow up your value system. What do you value and why do you value it? That was the whole point. I just wanted to put some dynamite in the middle of it. Blow it up. And I want you to do is sit back and say, okay, well then, this is what I believe, so this is what I'm going to value, this is what I'm going to spend my time and my money on. But maybe today you don't even know who you are. So, so asking the questions on value has, has really no, no bearing on your life because you really don't even know who you are. What is it? you got an identity crisis in your life, an identity crisis that is going on. You ever been in a, in a place in your life where you were, you were like trying to, to impersonate somebody? Like you were trying to be somebody that you were not? You ever been there before? You ever been in that place where you're like, you were impersonating somebody and it didn't go well for you? Maybe you're just trying to be, I'm trying to fit in with a certain group of people. So you felt like you had to act a certain way, dress a certain way, look a certain look, talk a way. You ever been there? I mean, this, this is like growing up, I felt like uh, I had to be this person. But I grew up in a Christian home with parents. I was a, I was a, a PK, a pastor's kid, um, had all these expectations on how I should live. And I'm like, I'm not living like that. Got my own identity. Uh, I played football, ran with a certain group of people, and it just so happens that in, in that group of people, they do things that are wild and crazy. They do things that are, aren't necessarily right. They don't necessarily make the right choices in life. So I found myself in these environments that were very contrary to my, like, my value system. Like people trying to do things that I'm like, bro, I'm not like that, girl. You need to back up real quick, okay? No, ma'am, Okay. I don't know who, where you come from, but you are somebody's daughter, and you shouldn't be acting like that, okay? There's a moment in time when I was in this guy's house, and, and uh, I don't know, these north side folk, I was from the southeast side of San Antonio, these north side folk are crazy, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Anybody grow up on the north side of San Antonio? Anybody? MacArthur, Church Hill, <laughs> okay? I was at this place. And, and uh, his house, and he had some friends from Churchill that were over, and, and they were hanging out, and they were kicking it. And I had never really been, like, I knew him from, like, growing up in church, but I didn't know him like that in high school. And this, one of his friends came in, and they dropped a bag of, like, white stuff on the table. Okay, I ain't even going to articulate what it is. If you don't know, you don't need to know, okay? But they dropped some white stuff on it. Who knows what it could have been? It could have been some, like, could have been some Clorox or something. I don't know what it could have been, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I felt a shift in the atmosphere, like right when it hit the table. I said, Lord Jesus, <laughs> I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. I literally just left. I was like, bro, I got to go. Out of his place, okay? Right? There, 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 there's a moment in time where we come to this place to say who we are is not necessarily representative of maybe the places we are. And that tension should be there. In, in our lives as we're following Jesus, that who we are just doesn't necessarily relate to the places we may be. 
that, that we get unsatisfied with our position enough to say we are willing to change the atmosphere. We are willing to change the desire. We're willing to change the direction so that who we are can be in the right place for the productivity that God wants. As I said last week, maybe we're valuing things today that we shouldn't be valuing simply because we, we want to see things happen that's not in alignment with God's values and the desire that God has. And it's simply in alignment with our own desire. I'll tell you today, God wants us to whet the appetite of what he desires to get our lives in the direction of what he expects, not necessarily what we do. Just because we want to doesn't mean that we can. An identity crisis. We live in a world here today that many would quantify this generation. They're in the middle of an identity crisis. An identity crisis. Who am I? Why am I? Why am I here? Why am I going? Or where am I going? What? Now here's the deal. Let me just defend this generation. Because I'm a little bit a part of it. Kind of. Just at 39, so you know. I was in the coming age of computers and connectivity. But this generation, literally, we can jump on a phone and we can see what's going on across the globe right now. We feel the pain of other places and other people. We know their religion. We, we know their, their, their uh, poor pieces of their value system. We understand from what we see or maybe what media tells us it is. So we have, a, we have a, either a, uh, an understanding of it or at least a perceived understanding of it. And I think oftentimes in what we understand is not reality based on what media gives us. But we have a perception of it and we live in a generation that's trying to grapple with all the, this information. Here I am in this life, in this world, in this country, with this governmental system. There are these people across the globe, and I can see them, and I hear them, and, I, and, I, and, and I'm somewhat connected to them. But what does that mean to what it means for me in this, this whole world of trying to understand the, the many different complexities of life? It's challenging. And so a generation's trying to figure out, well, who am I in the midst of a world that has multiple different belief systems? Multiple different governmental oversight systems. Multiple different societies are structured differently. What does that mean? And I'm, a generation is trying to understand it. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a decision has to be made on who we will be based on what we believe. And those decisions we make will decide what we do. So here's a few questions that could be going on in your life here today based on an identity crisis. Here's how you know if you are having an identity crisis. Here's the symptoms. What am I passionate about? You're asking the question, what am I passionate about? What, what is my spiritual beliefs? What do I believe about my, my spiritual beliefs? What, what are my values? What do I value? What is my role inside a society? Or what is my purpose in life? Who am I? That's the overarching question. Who am I? These are questions that are asked of an individual that's going through an identity crisis. Now, here's the definition of an identity crisis. They got it up here. A person going through identity crisis is a developmental event that involves a person questioning their sense of self or place in the world. That's it. Who am I? Who am I? And where am I at? What am I doing? Now, it's interesting to note that it's, psychologists believe there's three main Identity crisis that happens inside of life. Here they are. When you go from teenager to adult, when you go from adult 
to really being an adult, right? Taking on responsibility. And then the midlife crisis when you're buying a motorcycle at 45 years old. Okay? <laughs> Whatever it may be. I don't know what the female version of that is, but I know the motorcycle is a part of the male version. Really, the reality of an identity crisis comes when this is shifting, when these questions are, 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 are happening inside of life. I think it happens, too, when you turn about 60 and your parents are aging. You're starting to th- see the, the mortality of life. I think you start asking, what is this all about? What, uh, you're asking questions. It's the shifts inside of life where identity crisis goes down. Now, the key to making it through an identity crisis is really knowing who you are. But knowing who you are is tied to what you believe. What do you believe? Here's the deal today. What is this right here? What is it? Okay, good, good. You can see, good. All right, there was like, uh, apple, all right. Apple, orange, no, orange, apple, apple. It's an apple. But if you're a botanist, what are you going to try to do? You're going to see this and you're going to try to classify it and what it exactly is. If you're an artist, what you're going to try to do is you're going to try to paint this. You're going to make a painting out of it. Look at this apple. If you're a kid and it's in your lunchbox, you're going to be like, it's food, comida. You're going to tear it up, right? Manzana, I think is how you say it, manzana. It's good soda, FYI. Um, But everybody has a different perception of what it is. And dependent on your perception is going to determine how you look at all the issues that arise inside of life. Your worldview is your perception. Everybody's got a worldview, whether you know it or not. You have a worldview that is determining how you perceive life. Your worldview in here will determine who you date, where you spend your money, how you make your choices, Your worldview will determine all of that, whether you know it or you do not know it. Yourself, who you are, starts with what you believe. So number one today, I'm going to give you three different things on how you resolve an identity crisis. Anytime you hit it in life, this is how you resolve an identity crisis inside of your life. It starts on who you are and the perception about life that you have. It starts right here in this place on what you believe. Our beliefs are our compass. I'll say it this way. Our beliefs are our compass setting the direction of our lives. What we believe is the the direction that is setting the, the, the course of our lives. It's setting the direction of our lives. What you know is that no matter what, no matter how lost you get in life, if you got a compass, you can look at the compass and say, this is true north, that's where I need to go. That is what your beliefs are. It's a world view, how you perceive life, the issues of life, the struggle of life, the pain of life. It's, it's all wrapped up inside of here. Now, here's a world view. A world view is going to answer these questions right here. Where did we come from? Tied to that, why are we here? That's the first question that you ask in a, in, in, in a world view. Where did we come from? Why are we here? The second question that is asked is, what is wrong with the world? What is wrong with this place in which we exist in? The third question you're going to ask in a worldview is, how can we fix it? How can we fix it? Now, the prevailing worldview in our world today is is naturalism. 
A naturalist is going to come from a perspective of, here's the deal. They're going to answer the question, number one, we are the product of random acts of nature with no real purpose. What are they going to do? They're going to obliterate the idea of intelligent design. It's a bang, boom, bak, baka. And it just, out of this mutant, like this, this soup, we became, Right? That's, that's a naturalistic idea that it's a random set of acts that, that we came about. They'll answer the question on that, who are we, where we came from. You came from a pile of soup. <laughs> Muddy soup, you know, whatever it may be. They'll answer the question that way, the naturalists will. The second thing they'll, uh, they'll answer on the, the question of uh, what's the problem inside of the world, the naturalists will say, we do not respect nature as we should. This is where you get people moving in the direction of like conservationism and all that other stuff. But here's the deal. Okay, so they'll answer that way before I jump into the other. The third thing they'll say is how do we fix it is we can save the world through ecology and conservationism. A naturalistic worldview generates many related philosophies to it. You can jump into multiple different philosophies that spin off of naturalism. Secular humanism is one of those things, which is another prevailing philosophy in our world here today that's tied to this naturalism. Secular humanism sees themselves as undesigned, unintended beings who arose through evolution, possessing unique attributes of self-awareness and moral agency. It just comes about. All this just comes about. But we have a, when we give our lives to Christ... We come to this understanding of a broken humanity and we submit ourselves to say, we understand this broken world has answers and whatever the world is speaking, we don't I mean, we just don't believe that that is the reality. We believe the Bible has truth claims, absolute truth claims right here. The Bible has all the answers about what is right, what is wrong, where we come from, what the problem is inside of the world. This has all of the answers. So our perspective becomes like this. This becomes our eyes. We look at the world like this. We don't look through a human lens anymore. So to answer the three questions on a Christian worldview, okay, if you have given your life to Jesus, now you may be in here like you're trying to figure it out. You're on the journey of trying to figure this out, but you probably are asking these questions right now. Here's the Christian worldview that answers all of these questions that brings clarity on. Once you give your life to Jesus Christ, you say, no longer am I wondering. I am clear on what it is. Now it's my responsibility to look through the lens of the word. Okay? So this is what the the answer is. The Christian answers it this way. The Christian worldview is, number one, we are God's creation designed to govern the world and fellowship with him. We're a part of God's creation. We're here on this earth in order to govern it, conserve it, if you will, if you want to jump into that, we're here to oversee it, watch over it, tend it, right? Get in the garden, tend the garden as, as he placed Adam into it. We're, we're to be in fellowship with him. Don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. We're here every single day. We're in fellowship with God through our the daily disciplines, through the gathering of our brothers and sisters, through community and relationship. We're in communion with God, so we're answering the first question. The second thing is, what is the problem with the world? We sinned against God, and we subjected the whole world to a curse of sin, which is death. But what we believe is God had a solution to it. His name is Jesus, and Jesus came to conquer death. That's why he went into a grave, died on a cross, 
sinner's death, went into a grave, was rose back to life. And because of he conquered the death, hell, and the grave, we too have a hope for the future that we will be raised back to life just like Jesus. It answers the problem, okay? So here's the deal. Christians has, as Christians, we have a worldview that answers the first question, who are we? It's answering this question, who are we? We know who we are through what the word says. We know who we are. It answers these questions. You may sit back today and say, well, I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm an I'm a electrician. I'm an I'm a pharmacist. I'm a doctor. I'm a whatever you are, whatever you do. But here's the deal. I'm not asking what you do. The question you got to answer is who you are. And who you are is answered by what you believe, not what you do. What you do stems from what you believe. What I do today is, man, I follow Jesus. What I do today is I live according to God's word. What I do today is I take my gifts and talents and I honor God with it. We'll talk about that as the last thing we'll talk about here today. But what I, who I am is I am a Christian that follows Jesus Christ. As my, he is my Lord and Savior and he is El Jefe, he is my leader. That is who I am. I am a Christian that is bound by these values bound by these morals. These morals don't just come about through human existence. These morals come from biblical uh, perspective, biblical truth. Uh, God wrote this for a purpose of humanity to know exactly how we should live. And the beauty is this word that is in here became flesh. And the Bible says it dwelt among us. His name is Jesus. So he showed us on how we should live and what we should do. His name is Jesus. So what happens is we, we move away from the naturalist perspective on like, oh, we just came and we just happened. And then the problem with the world is everybody's jacked up. You're bad. You don't know how to take care of the earth. So what do we need to do? We need to save a tree. Right. Now, obviously, that's an exaggeration of it. We should be watching over the earth, tending to it. That's what God's responsibility for humanity. But in a corrupt perspective, you'll look through a lens of naturalism and not look through the lens of the word. So what is it? This word, the Bible says, is a light into our feet and a lamp into our path. This is what guides us on this journey of life. This is what helps us understand who we are. Psalms 119, I'll read that first, 105. Psalms 119, 105, it says this, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That's what this is. It illuminates our feet, where we are at, what we are doing, and it's a light for our path for where we should be going. Our worldview is the compass that directs us on an everyday life. You should feel uncomfortable when your feet are in the wrong place because the word says you're not in the right place. You should feel uncomfortable whenever you're on a journey, walking down the road of life, and you pick your head up and you say, man, why do I value all this stuff? Why am I spending all my money in this? Because the word is lighting up a path that is completely opposite of the direction you are headed. There should be a, a discomfort that comes with that. When you are clear in what you value, you will not compromise your convictions. There's a man named Joseph. Joseph, we talked about last week, a man named Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, his son, Jacob. Jacob, the manipulator, got the birthright from his brother Esau. Now, Jacob had a son, he had many sons all the way down. His youngest son's name was Joseph. Joseph was a man that uh, uh, he was a, uh, a favorite of, uh, of Jacob. Anybody, favorite kids inside of here? Like you are the favorite in the family. Anybody in here? 
Amen. Taking on, yeah. We're praying for you guys, your pride and your arrogance. You need Jesus and you need to humble yourself before your brothers and your sisters, okay? That was Joseph. Joseph was walking around like he was it on a corn dog stick. He thought he was, but, you know, he, he was not walking in humility. Now, here's the deal. Joseph was on a journey of learning. Joseph loved God and had to learn. He was in a process of learning. Here's the deal. You may be sitting in here today with a plan of God on your life, but the purpose that God has for your life is going to come with some pain in order to get you in a humble place in order to accomplish his plan. Joseph was there. Here's how the story goes. Joseph got a jacket from his dad because his dad loved him. His dad, he was born to his dad in his old age, so Jacob loved him. Now, rather than being a person like, oh, I'm going to value this and I'm just going to walk in hum you know, humility, I'm not going to like throw this before my brothers to let them know I'm it, you know. He just walks out with this coat and he's like, hello, everybody, looks better on me than you, whatever it is. So he walks out in arrogance and pride, you know, just showing it off in front of his brothers. Well, his brothers, obviously, if you're, a, if you're a family member inside of here, if you're a brother or sister, you know how this goes. You are not liked when you start doing that. But we all do it. It's like, mom and dad got me that. You know, we do it. Joseph did that. Well, they, pl they plotted to kill him. But Reuben saves him. Like, let's not do that. Let's sell him into slavery. So as one day he was going out to check up on, on what his brothers were doing and tending to the flock as his dad wanted him to, they got this whole plan. They sold him into slavery. Uh, he goes down to Egypt and he finds himself in Potiphar's house. Now, Joseph's journey is like pain, right? He's favored. God's got a plan. He's got two dreams. God's given it to him. He's got a whole plan. The point I'm getting to is because Joseph loved God, he was committed to the purposes of God regardless of the placement then. Just because he was walking in pain didn't mean he was like, well, I'm just going to give up on God. He was in a place where the pain represented where he was at in life, but his faith rose up above the pain to say, I'm going to stay true to who I am. So much so that he sold into slavery, gets in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's a commander inside of, the, uh, of Egypt, finds himself with Pot, uh, Potiphar's wife, who starts looking at him like, man, he looks really good. Now, it's one of two things. Either it's a really small house with not very many people to look at. You ever been there before where you've seen somebody that's like good looking with somebody that's not? You know they come from a small town. That's clearly a small town, right? There was not enough fish in the pond, right? They got lucky, real lucky, okay? Not enough fish, you only a little bit to look at, okay? Or this is just straight sin. So I think it's just straight sin, okay? Some of you are going to get it later. You're like, what? Okay. So Potiphar's wife starts looking at Joseph like he's looking good. Joseph's sitting in a place on, I know who I am. I know what I believe. I know who I'm called to be, right? I serve God. I have a value system. There's a way in which I live. Potiphar's wife tries to, pat, after multiple different times of trying to make advancements on him, she like really goes at him one day and he's like, no. She grabs his cloak, the whole thing. He gets in trouble, goes back to prison, this whole thing. But here's the deal I want to make. Joseph was clear on who he was, so he didn't compromise in a moment of opportunity where sin showed up. And when you're living in a world of identity crisis on not knowing who you are, what you value, what you believe, you will be at the whim of your desire. Your desire, you'll be at the whim of opportunity. But the beauty is when you come to a place that I know who I am, you won't compromise in a place uh, of opportunity because your conviction will keep you set and solid. This is why it's essential that you know who you are and win with yourself. 
Get clear on what your worldview is so that your lens is clear. You know what your true north is. No matter where you're at, you're like, man, this is what the word says. This is what God's word says. God's word says I value this. God's word says I value that. God says morality looks like this. My decisions look like this. This is what I operate in purity. This is how I operate in my money. This is how I operate in love towards others. It's a clear biblical Christian worldview that sets the course of our lives. So that's the first thing. you got to know who you are. The second thing to resolve an identity crisis is know whose you are. Know whose you are. If I ask you today, who is your mother and your father, you would say Tom and Terry. Okay, cool. We'll just say that, Tom and Terry. You're going to tell me two names. This is my dad. This is my mom. And then I would ask you this question. How do you know that? Were, were you there at conception? Well, do you remember the day you were born? You, you don't. You don't remember that. What we know is that there was a mother that was in the room that birthed you. And that's even a controversial statement in our culture today that has a crazy worldview that is contrary to a biblical worldview. Your mother was there, and your mother birthed you. You came from a woman. So it was like, okay, your mama, cool. I mean, you, we, we got you. You came from there. We know. Now, here's the deal. Well, then, is your, do you know who your dad is then? You probably, you may know, but you don't know. The mom sat there and said, this baby was conceived with this man that is in this room right now. But it may not be true. There was a person present that now a person says, you are, this is the dad. And then the dad's like, oh, yeah, I am it, I guess. I hope so. <laughs> Signed a birth certificate. You know what I'm saying? You don't know exactly unless what? You do a DNA test. Whose you are comes from a place on who, if you said today two names, they're individuals that chose you. On the day you were born, there was two individuals inside of the room that said, this child is mine. I'm going to take my time, I'm going to take my resources, I'm going to take my, my, my care, my love, and I'm going to take this child and I'm going to bring him into my house and I'm going to care for their well-being. This is my child. There was two people or a person on your birthday that said, I, you are mine. It was a choice that they made. And today, whether it's, it's biological or it's simply by responsibility, you know people that chose you. And there's a sense inside of everybody that we want to know, where did we come from? Where did we come from? We have individuals, maybe you're in this room, you do not know your biological mom or your biological father. And today you are still trying to find them. There's something on the inside of you saying, who are they? There's this desire, we want to know who is the biological individual. Because we got to understand this. Maybe they'll help me understand this. But here's thing, one thing you don't have to question. 
is you don't have to question who your heavenly father is. The Bible would tell us he chose us. We were, a, we were an individuals that were off doing our own thing, but God in his, in his, in his, his place in, in the world looks down at humanity and says, I choose them. And he calls us into relationship with himself. You can question all day long and it can jack up your identity. I don't know who I am because I don't know where I come from. But let me just tell you spiritually, we know where we come from. We come from a creator of the universe, Yahweh. He spoke it into existence and he breathed life into our body. This is what the Bible would tell us. The Bible would tell us that in uh, Matthew 6, 9, that we pray to our father, he is up in heaven. In Ephesians 4, 6, it says there is one God and one father. And he is the father over all. He is our father and he is the father over all. Genesis 1, says God created us in his own Image, that's what the word says. Genesis 2, 7 says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He put his hands on us. He formed and fashioned us. But he didn't just form and fashioned us. What does he do? He breathed uh, uh, the breath of life into man's nostrils. And the man became a living being. It was God breathing life into humanity. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I knew you as your father before you were formed in your mother's womb. Luke chapter 12, it says, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. I could tell you every single birthmark on my children's body. I know they're my children. They got birthmarks on them, Okay. I know, I know him by the birthmarks. And what does this say? God knows every hair on our head. He loves us. He cares for us. He has chosen us. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So what? We can do the good things he has planned for us to do long ago. We are God's masterpiece. He has chose us. He has created us. He has breathed life into us. We don't have to worry about where we come from. The identity question, where do we come from? I don't know. You don't have, you don't have to have daddy issues. We already know who the daddy is. <laughs> Yahweh. Amen. We know where we come from. Amen. We're good. So we're a masterpiece. And we were created for a purpose, is the last part of this Ephesians says. We're a masterpiece, right? He's created us a new in Christ Jesus, right? The old is gone. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. As I said on the front end of the video here today, we have an identity that comes from Christ. The old man is dead. The new man is alive inside of us. We are a new person in Christ Jesus. And it says on the tail end here, for the good things he has called us to do. So the third thing I'll leave you with here with an identity crisis to resolve it. Who am I? What am I? Why am I? I don't understand where I'm at. Well, here's the deal. We know who we are. We got a clear biblical worldview. We understand the issues of life. We understand our placement inside of life. We understand how it all comes together. We understand that, man, there is a good God in a broken world. Bad things happen to good people. We realize that there's issues and struggles and there's pain. We get it, but we look through a worldview. And we serve a good God. And with that, there's an answer to all of life's issues. And on the other side of that, we don't have any daddy questions. We know who our daddy is. He's a heavenly father that's created it all, and he knows us. But God's got a plan for every single one of us. When you look at Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter, let me see here, 
Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 23, there you go. Matthew chapter 23, there's a a moment in time where a a man of religious law, a lawyer comes and asks Jesus a question. What is the greatest commandments? And Jesus says the greatest are these two things inside of here. Love God with all your heart. Love God with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Mind, body, soul is how I would say it. Love God with all of who you are. Then he says the second thing inside here, love your neighbor as yourself. So, so, so you got the Ten Commandments. You got these 10 things that God said in Exodus 20. These are the 10 things you need to do if you're a part of my community of people. Follow these things. And then the, the, the question is, well, then what is, the, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says these are the greatest commandments. The two things, love God with all that you are. Everything else hinges on them. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the deal. We can all sit back here today and be like, I don't know what I'm called to do. Just trying to figure it all out. Just don't know what to do, right? All the college students inside here are like, help me. We got some tennis players right here. Y'all both play tennis? They both play tennis. They know what they're called to do right now. They may not know what they're called to do, right? This is what I, this is what I did. When I played football, played football, went to college playing football, I knew I was going to throw a football. But when I tore my ACL and that wasn't my future, I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. There, there's, there's moments in time when we're clear, when we have a talent. But when that talent runs out, then we got to ask the question, well, what do we do? What, what, what are we going to do? Right? If we know who we are, our value systems in alignment, we know what our values are. It's a biblical value system. Now we're going to move in a direction to do something in the world, something we're going to do. But oftentimes what we're doing may just be we're, we're so focused on what our talent is that we think that's the thing. Oh, that's what it is. That's what we do. I'm a, I'm a physician. I'm an electrician. I'm an accountant. Whatever it may be. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a ph- philanthropist. Whatever it may be. This is what I do. I'm a nurse. Whatever. We have these things that we do, but here's the deal. God, God has informed us that what we, on our journey in life, what we are doing is we're loving God with all that we are, mind, body, soul, and we're loving people as ourselves. We're loving our neighbors. This is what we do. This is what we're doing here on this earth. We're loving God and we're loving people. That's what we are doing. How we are doing it may be tied directly towards our hand, our talent. Identity crisis today may be because we're just doing things based on talent, but we're not doing things based on kingdom. Right? We can show up to our we can show up to our, our uh, workplace and have a bad attitude. The Holy Spirit's not working inside of our lives because we're just focused on who we can be in a place that is not spiritual. We don't perceive it as spiritual, so we don't put on the Christian ease. But we're in a kingdom known as the kingdom of God, that we're a new creation in Christ Jesus, that the Holy Spirit has breathed life into us. Our values are different. Our perspective is different. How we live and the choices we make is different. So when we walk in our workplaces, it shouldn't be that we got to put on Christ. We already have Christ on. So what the world should get is Christ. They should get Christ. They should get the, the presence of God. They should get the goodness of God. They should get the characteristics of God through us because on our journey in life with the talent that we've been given, we're loving God and we're loving people in the process. 
the identity crisis, who are we, what are we, resolved right here. You're a Christian that follows God. He's given you his word to know what to value and what not to value. You don't have to look at the world and all the chaos that comes from the world. Just look in the word. It's a light into our feet. Lamp into our path. I mean, it's, we got it. We don't have to worry. We know whose we are. We are secure where we come from. So with that, we got clarity on what we're supposed to do. So I just say today is maybe you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I should be doing. Just start loving God and loving people and you'll be good. Just love God and love people. Here's how you know that you are growing in your faith when love is increasing. Religious people love decreases because they know the word, they don't live the word. But true followers of Jesus Christ, when they know the word and they live the word, love increases. They have more love for broken people. They have more love for for chaotic issues. They have more grace for it because love is increasing in their life. So they have more capacity to love broken people, not judgmental. I can't believe, I can't believe them over there. How are they living like that? Well, you were once there too, but yet while you were a sinner, there was a man that died on a cross that you may come to a saving knowledge of the goodness of God and the love of God. So maybe you need to get your cross and start following Jesus so that you can die to yourself so that you can gain life. Amen? Maybe. I have a family member in my life that... um, um, she's an individual that just growing up, um, she was chaotic. You anybody in your family that you like aunt, uncle, you just, they're just chaotic. Maybe it's, maybe it's a mom or a dad, just chaotic. Well, this individual would be, you know, on the side of family, my mom's side of the family, uh, it was just, there, there's, there's a history of, of dysfunction there. Um, but my mom made a decision at an early age. She made a decision at nine years old to follow Jesus, and she wouldn't follow in the footsteps of previous generations. Let me give you some context. My great-grandfather died by a gunshot wound by the husband of his mistress in their front yard. That's how dysfunctional it was. But my mom said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and we're not going to live like that. That's not what we're going to do. And so... She had a sister growing up, and this sister was uh, an individual that was chaotic. Growing up, she would yell at my grandparents when we're all there, just like, blah, blah, like at the, I mean, she, she drank like crazy. She smoked like crazy. She had four different husbands, I believe. She's got two children. She's got three total children. I believe two different dads in the equation. It was just chaos. It's chaos. And that's all I've ever known from her. So a couple of years ago, I was talking to my mom, and I'm like, why is Aunt Darlene like this? Why is she like this? Like, what Like what happened? Like, how did you come out like this, and Aunt Darlene come out like that? She says, Brent, she wasn't always like that. I said, what? She said, yeah, she was, she was a great kid. She was a great sister. She grew up, she, you would... You would never know how she grew up based on how she's living now. She was an incredible woman. I said, well, what happened? 
She said, around 18 years old, my grandparents told her that she was adopted. When they told her she was adopted, she started to question, where have I come from? What is this all about? Have I been lied to my whole life? That everything I know was, was based on a lie? And she went on a journey to try to figure out her identity. Let me just tell you today, it cost her a lot in her life. Chaos all over the place. And here's the deal today. Maybe you're in the middle of that. You're in the middle of an identity crisis. You don't know who you are. You don't know whose you are. You're trying to figure out what in the world you're supposed to be doing. It all is resolved right here. Clear biblical worldview is gonna give you clarity on everything else and it sets the course straight. Let's stand to our feet here today and we'll close out. I wanna have this question. Do you have an identity crisis today that needs to be resolved? You're making decisions today that are in alignment with a, a worldview that's not biblical. You're valuing things and people you shouldn't be valuing. You're getting frustrated by things you shouldn't be getting frustrated by. You're spending your money on things you shouldn't be spending your money on. It's not tied to your biblical worldview. You know you should be loving people that you're not loving. You know you should be in, in devotion to God more than you are today. And you, there's this one thing that's holding you back. There's a story in Matthew chapter 16 of an individual that was a rich man. And he came to Jesus and he says, how do I inherit the kingdom of God? He says, follow the Ten Commandments. He's like, oh, I got that. He says, okay, here's this one thing that you need to do. That's what he tells them. You got one thing you need to do. He didn't look at him and say, hey, uh, you, got, you got a couple things that everybody else needs to do and you need to do it too. He said, there's one thing you need to do. And the question I have for you today is, what is the one thing you need to do to move forward inside of your faith. Maybe today is to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to give up ownership and leadership of your life and say, Jesus, you paid the price that I might have life and I'm coming to the end of myself and my secular worldview that I have the decision power. No, you got the decision. You're El Jefe now. What you say goes. I'm not making the decisions anymore. And the start for you is coming to the end of yourself and humbly coming before Jesus and say, forgive me of my sin, and I'm gonna follow you. Maybe for you, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, but the surrounding, you feel really uncomfortable in the surroundings you are in today. The word has lit up your feet, and you're like, ah, I don't like where I'm at. Mm -mm, I don't like where I'm at. And you know you got one thing you need to do, one thing you need to let go of. Maybe it's how you're spending your money. Maybe it's how you're spending your time. Maybe it's your sexuality here today. You're like, ah, you're questioning it. But it's already clear in a Christian worldview. Maybe it's, you gotta get some clarity on it. You're walking away from your own ideas and you're stepping into a place where God's got an idea and I wanna get in alignment with that because I'm not in this kingdom anymore. I'm of a different kingdom. Different rules, different morality different perspective, different expectations, and I'm okay with that. I can be an alien here on this earth. I can be foreign here on this earth because this is not my home. It's temporary. That's eternal.